Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics, coming up. At the only English language debate, Justin Trudeau's feminist record is challenged. I am the only woman other than Elizabeth May to be on this platform in the last 18 years. The Liberal Party has never had a woman lead it. I think it's time for the party to examine its priorities. I think, Ms. Hall, you'll perhaps understand that I won't take lessons on caucus management from you. Jagmeet Singh and Trudeau challenge each other on climate change. You're talking about the future. Let's talk about right now. You had six years, Why did and you've you got the. Let me finish. Let me finish. Climate. You've got the worst track record in all the G7 after six years. How Mr. can people Singh. trust you? And Trudeau calls out Aaron O'Toole over vaccinations. Cannot rebuild the economy until we get through this this pandemic. And unfortunately, Mr. O'Toole, who says he wants to get all of Canada vaccinated to 90% in the coming two months, can't even convince his own candidates to get vaccinated to 90%. It's Friday, September 10th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories from the campaign this morning. We're joined by National Post columnist, John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, Mark. What did you think of the debate? Do you, what were some of the moments that stood out to you? And, and do you think anything happened last night that will change the course of this election? Uh, well, firstly, not much, as in I don't think didn't think much of the debate, especially the <laughs> stifling format. I think that Trudeau was pretty much uh, a kind of piling on or a ganging up by the other the other leaders, and, and he was pretty much the focus of that uh, the ire of all four other leaders, which obviously put him at a disadvantage trying to defend his record. And I think the biggest thing that happened really was that Aaron O'Toole was exposed to probably the widest audience he's been exposed to 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 this point. I think he held up reasonably well. He didn't need to do anything too spectacular. I mean, he was trying to make himself look steady and cautious and prime ministerial, which I think he managed to do. But crucially, he did it in front of an audience of millions. And it was probably the most exposure that most of those people had had to him. So, you know, at the end of the night, just for that alone, he didn't really need to do anything spectacular, but but he ends up the winner just by, by, by dint of the fact that he had exposure. And his problem really prior to the election, I mean, I think some pollsters had, had uh, labeled it a, a popularity pr- problem, but really he had a recognition problem. Right. And this helped solve that. Yeah, and, and I think for Aaron O'Toole, uh, meeting a, a certain threshold, um, you know, not... Uh, not too dissimilar from Justin Trudeau in 2015 of just being at the debate and looking like he belonged and meeting that that threshold and not taking a ton of fire from the other leaders on some of the things that have happened in this campaign that have caused him to change course, that sort of thing. That that in itself is a win for Aaron O'Toole, isn't it? I think so. I think so. I mean, we, it, you know, with these polls, with these debates, I've learned over the years that you never really know what the public thinks until probably a few days later when when the first polls start coming out. You know, we we pundits often call the the big moment of, of the night and then it turns out that it washed over most people. But uh, yeah, I think that, that you could say safely that uh, you know, he was he was there. The last time uh, twenty fifteen with Justin Trudeau, I remember uh, Stephen Harper's spin doctor said if he appeared on stage with his pants on, then that'll be a victory for Trudeau. And of course, he he overperformed or outperformed those low expectations. Yeah. And I think 
probably the same with, with O'Toole last night that uh, many people would have had pretty low expectations and, and while he was unspectacular he uh, he probably met or exceeded those, that threshold. So where do you think that leaves us in this campaign? Because um, coming into the debate, the polls seem to suggest it was very close between the Liberals and the Conservatives. Uh, naturally, of course, that means probably a scenario where if, if it ended if it had ended before the debate, uh, based on the numbers, it would have meant the Liberals would win more seats because they did lose the popular vote to Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives uh, two years ago and still win the highest number of seats. So... Um, as long as it's close, the Liberals might have a bit of an advantage. But where do you think that leaves us in this campaign? Well, obviously, if, that, if we end up uh, in the current situation, then we're back with a parliament that looks very much like the one that that uh, was dissolved, which, you know, then people turn around and go, well, what was all that about? But, uh, you know, I, I, I think rarely does the final week of the campaign not matter. Um, you know, we saw that last time where, where it was really the final week that uh, Trudeau started getting some momentum. Uh, I think, you know, we're two years on and there's a, mo- a lot more, uh, he's carrying a lot more baggage now than he was then. I think the last time that Jagmeet Singh got a real bump from the from the debates, uh, you know, he was put in the week before the campaign, he, the Nanos, Nanos Research tracking poll had him averaging something like 14%. And in the week after, he was averaging somewhere closer to 19%. But the NDP on that occasion didn't have the money and the resources to support that performance. And they ended up coming in at 16%. But this time they've learned that lesson, and I think they've, they've back-end loaded their advertising buy. So I don't think we're going to see Singh fade, and he's up already up around 20%. So, you know, when the, when the NDP's at 20%, that makes it difficult for the for the Liberals to, to gain much purchase. And I think that the NDP this time are going to be have a pretty robust end to the campaign, you know, we already talked about the fact that we think that Erin O'Toole had a had a reasonable night, and that the Conservative numbers should be heading upwards rather than downwards. And yet Trudeau had a pretty average night, I would say. I mean, he was under attack a lot, and um, you know, he was res- he had to resort to one line where he said, "One of the enemies of progressive politics is cynicism," when somebody was trying to uh, attack his record. You know. I think people are pretty cynical about the Liberal record. I mean, we had, we had uh, Singh, Yves-Francois Blanchet, Annemie Paul, O'Toole, all attacking the six-year record of the, uh, of, the, of the Liberal government. And, you know, the idea that better is always possible. Right. Trudeau really couldn't suggest that on a record where, where he, you know, as was said at the time on many occasions, he, he over-promised and he's subsequently under-delivered. Yeah, and what about Enemy Paul, who uh, a lot of Canadians were seeing for the first time and who has has suffered through some difficult times as Green Party leader? Uh, what did you think of, of uh, her performance in the debate last night? I thought she was very good. I mean, uh, similarly with the French debate the night before, you know, she was, she was a very human figure. You know, the night before she talked about her family. I think her father had passed away in a hit care home. She was the most humane figure that was on the stage. You know, last night she started talking about uh, sexual misconduct in the forces and said she didn't think that Trudeau was a real feminist. And she conjured up the names of Jane Philpott and Jody Wilson-Raybould and said, you'll perhaps understand that I that um, 
yeah, she said Trudeau, she didn't find him to be a, a real feminist. I mean, that got a sting with Trudeau, and he turned around and said, you'll understand that I won't take lessons in caucus management from you. And he was referring to the the former Green MP who crossed the Liberals, Jenica Atwood. Um, you know, it was, pretty, it was a pretty good, sharp response from Trudeau, but it wasn't exactly the response of a, a feminist who had, yeah. you know, respected the fact that there was a a strong female leader on the stage there. And I, I do think that most people who knew nothing about Annemie Paul prior to the, the, uh, the debate, other than what they'd read in the press, that she was, uh, you know, a leader whose caucus had pretty much deserted her and her, and her the, the, the party tried to, to kind of oust her. And yet then they see this figure who was very much at home on the stage, I think was, has probably come out with most reasonable people thinking she's, She's a, a, you know, an excellent candidate for green leader. All right, and finally, John, uh, just some quick thoughts from you on the fact that Quebec Premier François Legault um, made some comments after the debate, uh, the French language debate on Wednesday night, um, saying that uh, well, he was very critical of Justin Trudeau and said he thought Aaron O'Toole would be easier to work with. What impact do you think that will have? Well, I think it's huge in Quebec. I mean, Legault's very popular and trusted among Quebecers. And while he was, he kind of hedged himself, hedged his bets a little bit by saying he's not happy on on O'Toole reneging on the $6 billion the federal government has agreed to give Quebec for, for daycare, he said he thought it would be easier for Quebec to gain more autonomy on things like immigration from a conservative government. You know, I mean, that's, that's an endorsement in all but name. It wasn't quite as explicit as O'Toole would like, but it was it was clearly much more favourable than than what he said about the Liberal Party. And and you know it's pretty well known that he's not a fan of Justin Trudeau. He thinks that Trudeau it intrudes into provincial jurisdiction far too often, which you know that's typically the Liberals' worldview is that they they need to do everything, and and that uh, any money they give to the provinces has to be tied to to results. You know we see this with health transfers. The Liberals are, are going to give health transfers, but there's often uh, conditions attached. Same with uh, with housing and, and immigration. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a pre- pretty big deal, and it probably gives Quebecers license to vote Conservative, which which I think is a you know we saw that in the last election when somebody like Obama comes out and gave Progressives a license to vote for for Justin Trudeau by endorsing him, and the people who were inside the campaign tell me they could see the spike in their numbers immediately. So this can do nothing but help uh, O'Toole, and it certainly can't hurt him. All right. We'll see what happens in the final week of the campaign. Uh, It's going to be very interesting. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank thank you, Mark. That's John Iveson of the National Post. Because this is about all of us. It's about our families. It's about our community. It's about standing up for our fellow Canadians. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues, on vaccines, the Liberals are getting it right. The Star writes, No doubt the Liberals were holding their finger to the political winds and sensed the growing frustration among the majority of Canadians who were fed up with those who refused to get their shots. The Liberals did take too long to arrive at their current position on mandatory vaccination, but they are firmly on the right side of that issue now. In the Globe and Mail, Robin Urbach argues, if you don't like Aaron O'Toole's position on something, 
Just wait a few minutes. Urbach writes, This conservative war room, though certainly more adept at course correcting when the leader starts veering into troubled territory than during the Andrew Scheer years, hasn't quite figured out how to anticipate the direction from which the liberals will attack. As a result, Aaron O'Toole has spent the duration of the campaign being led around by his nose, reneging on his old positions when it looks like they might get him into trouble. At National Newswatch, Eric Blair argues attack ads might not be the zero-sum game party strategists are betting on. Blair writes, Zero-sum is often misunderstood as meaning that nobody wins and nobody loses. It means the opposite. In a competitive situation, one side can't win unless the other loses. When the losses are subtracted from the gains, the sum is zero. This election likely won't be a zero sum for either the Liberals or the Conservatives. Each party's negative ads could essentially cancel the other party's attack ads. There would be no winning, just degrees of losing and a whole lot of bruising. Now here's what's coming up today on the campaign trail. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau will make an announcement and speak to the media in Hamilton, Ontario. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will hold campaign events in Whitby and Mississauga, Ontario. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will speak to the media in Ottawa and then will travel to British Columbia, where he will vote in the advance poll in Burnaby and attend a rally. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette will be in Chambly, Quebec. And Green Party leader Annamie Paul will hold a campaign event in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, September the 10th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day and the weekend for coverage of the federal election campaign. And join me for Have Your Say every weekday on CPAC at 12 Eastern Time. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.